So, Harvey, we're back uh, again talking. Uh, we thought we were going to be talking about post-session, post-mortem, uh, <laughs> but we're still in session uh, or what they uh, call a special session. You know, I was looking up special session. It's actually called an extraordinary session. But for those of us that uh, are either a staff or a legislator or lobbyist or political, you know, uh, pundit or whatever, I don't think we believe any of those things are either special or extraordinary. <laughs> so, well, it's special in the Saturday Night Live. Uh, that's really special. <laughs> that's, that's very special. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like uh, we really don't know for, for, for sure, but um, for our viewers and, and, uh, and listeners, um, by now they know probably uh, they've heard that there was a the regular session, which is the session that runs for 140 days in Texas. We'll talk a little bit about that when we when we talk um, a little more about some of the talk about a full time legislative full time legislature and what a regular session means in the state of Texas. It's 140 days, and that ended on the 29th. And that evening, I believe it was that evening, um, because a lot of the priorities. Uh, that the governor had and the lieutenant governor had uh, didn't pass because of all of the chaos that's been occurring, um, amongst other things during this session. And so they called a special session uh, that started uh, on the 30th. 30th yes. They came in and uh, the House uh, convened, the Senate convened, the House passed two bills and immediately, Sine died again. A little more drama than that, yeah, actually. Yeah, the, okay. uh, the Give Senate, us a little more color. Both sides are locked down on property tax reform. Yeah. Uh, they have their different versions of how to give away $17 billion. And they can't seem to find an agreement in the middle. And it's become increasingly personal between the lieutenant governor and the Speaker of the House. Yeah. So much so that they're uh, using Twitter as a format to insult each other. Yeah. The lieutenant governor even referring to the Speaker as California Dade. Yeah, Dade Phelan yes. is his name. So um, uh, they couldn't come to terms on on the one thing we knew at the beginning of the session that had to happen, some kind of property tax remedy. And um, the governor, instead of spending time here, was out there uh, uh, on the campaign trail trying to promote vouchers, which had absolutely no chance of passing, uh, particularly the House and particularly this session. Um, and then we come down to the deadline and uh, we've got an immovable force meeting, an irresistible object. Uh, and... Um, uh, the, uh, uh, the the session ended without that one thing, property taxes, mm -hmm. property tax reform. So we convened the next day with a special session. The governor actually kind of broke the rules and said, uh, I'm, only gonna, I'm only opening this to a special session on property tax uh, cuts based on compression. Well, both sides ignored him. The Senate passed its bill, sent it over to the House. The House wouldn't even refer it because it wasn't inside the call. Uh, it wasn't germane to the call. And then they passed their own bill, which also wasn't germane to the call. Um, after uh, passing the bill, the constitutional amendment that goes with it, uh, they adjourned sine die and uh, essentially told the Senate to take it or leave it. The governor ended up applauding. I mean, within minutes, this was all prepackaged. Yeah. Within minutes, the governor had a press release out applauding the House for passing historic property tax relief and looked forward to signing it once the Senate finished with it. And uh, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, is not somebody to be trifled with, went on an outraged tirade. And as far as I know, the uh, as of now, the Senate is still in session. 
Um, and uh, the, the joke is they can't really uh, adjourn, for, according to the rules, they can't uh, adjourn for more than three days without permit, permission from the House. And of course, the House is not there. <laughs> so, it, so if they can't adjourn for more, in other words, just adjourn until August or something like that. They can't till Monday or till Monday. They can't <laughs> even do that and uh, without the permission of the House. Uh, that's that's interesting. But they could just adjourn sine die, which it seems to me that's almost. I don't know why that they haven't done it already. It seems to me that the, I don't see what there's any pathway to getting. Well, the, let's remember the only constituency that Dan Patrick and Lieutenant Governor cares about is the Republican primary voter. And they've got a very sophisticated outrage machine, which is now focused directly squarely on the speaker and uh, the the, uh, the governor and the members of the House. So they um, uh, they're turning up the decibels They're um, We've got a state Republican executive committee meeting coming up in two weeks, um, uh, which won't address the immediate circumstance. But frankly, with the House adjourned sign a die, the Senate really has no other alternative except to stay around for optics. And then if they adjourn without passing the House version, uh, it's unclear what the, the next step is for the governor. Is he going to call him back and have the same thing replayed over and over again? Uh, it's to a certain degree a, a testosterone match between the lieutenant governor and the speaker. I feel like, you know, um, I mean, if I know that's, that, that there's there's a lot uh, that we don't know about what's going on internally over there. But if I'm looking at this and I look at what happened in previous sessions with, with when you had fights between the, the big three, you know, there's some fight between two of the big three or three of the big three. Um, basically, summer is canceled. I sort of set myself up to be prepared for summer is canceled because mm -hmm. I don't see how I just don't see, again, a pathway to getting to what either side wants in this in this format. Well, now that everybody is locked down and not moving right. uh, their positions and yeah. um, uh, the governor, frankly, missed the window to try and mediate something. I'm not really sure that you can mediate with uh, the lieutenant governor. He's the mas a master of the process, having been a senator for years before having become lieutenant governor. Um, he knows the game, and uh, uh, frankly, um, uh, he'll he'll tell business constituencies, some of the largest employers in the state, uh, your 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 concerns are not my concern. My concern is the primary Republican primary voter. They're <laughs> the ones responsible for electing me. Yeah, uh, so if that's the only metric we're going to measure this by, and he controls that microphone more than anybody else in the state, yeah, it does. Then um, uh, we're we may not have another special session, but we're going to have a lot of incoming. Right. Um, uh, directed just, towards the, the governor and the, uh, the speaker. They just sort of drag out all summer long and, and it'll bleed into the election process and it's going to get really, really, really ugly. I, I noticed but it, in uh, the meantime, we can't do prop any property tax reform without a constitutional amendment, which has to be passed, I think, by the middle of July in order to be on the November ballot. Oh, Okay. Well, that does kind of move things up a little bit. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's a hard deadline. That's a hard deadline. Yeah, I noticed, um, I guess I was trying to figure out, and I don't know if it was an old presentation or if it's something brand new, but I saw that the uh, lieutenant governor did a presentation on what compression was uh, so that to get people to understand it, it was, I think he put it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was thinking to myself, I was wondering, you know, well, who's he trying to convince? Because uh, I get his people probably, uh, you know, the people he cares about the most uh, want more than just compression. They want the actual exemption, you know, mm -hmm. the $100,000 exemption. Right. And I saw so I was reading about that, and, and I was trying to think, well, who, what's the audience there? Um, is that just to get people um, motivated to 
to talk to, you know, Phelan and the House members, probably. Uh, but I, I noticed that. I don't think I've ever seen someone do almost like a, you know, being in college, you know, and getting, right. a, getting a coursework on it. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. Well, and it was, um, and it was reasonably sophisticated. He wasn't talking down to his audience. And, no. um, um, but it, you're right. It is sort of unclear as to who the audience is. The, the vast majority of Texans um, just want to see the, some kind of reduction in their property taxes. Actually, uh, it's been so de minimis over previous years, 200 300 $400, one-time, two-time uh, reductions, that most people don't notice it. And in fact, um, he's got some kind of more traditional Republican constituencies that said, we don't even want to mess with property tax reduction, give the teachers a pay raise, which they also didn't do. They no. gave everybody else a pay raise but the teachers. So. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, enhance retirement uh, benefits for retired teachers, but not actual teachers. Yeah, which may explain why seventy-seven percent are looking for other work. So, do you think that um, you know? I know property taxes was the, was the main focus, but we didn't do anything on electrical, uh, the, the grid. Uh, they, they did. I think they did something, but they didn't do what they uh, what they talked about doing at the beginning of the session. Well, all through last year, actually. And then uh, you got border security issues, um, you know. So I don't, I don't know what the status of that is. And and there's a, I mean, there's a whole litany of issues. You think that those just go away, or do you think they're going to just stick with the property tax? Um, well, there's a promise for a special session in the fall on vouchers. And knowing the governor, uh, he uh, can't. Uh, this was atypical. He only had two items on this call. He usually has a dozen items or so. Mm-hmm. And in his um, uh, final press release before Sinodai, the lieutenant governor issued a statement about everything they'd accomplished. Uh, but here were 30-some-odd additional things that he might want to consider for a, uh, a future uh, special session, um, which I doubt that he will because now they're all mortal enemies, et cetera. Uh, Nothing's going to get done. And I don't believe that uh, this house is shakable on its opposition to vouchers. So, yeah. um, and they're going to try and communicate that through, to him through the summer. But we did make small um, uh, adjustments or incremental improvements to the grid. Um, we passed at the last minute uh, one of those moments uh, where there's virtually nobody on the floor, although there were 116 votes for it, um, huh. or 114 votes for <laughs> it, magically. Uh, we did pass something that gives the PUC greater liberty and uh, creates an investment fund uh, to incentivize uh, the um, uh, development, the building of additional uh, generation capacity. Um, it's called the Warren Buffett bill. It was originally going to be zero interest, uh, um, and, um, it was targeted because Warren Buffett had, uh, offered an exchange for some compensation to build some gas generation plants that could be used in case of an emergency. Um, the original problem with the 0% interest was it really screwed with the markets and all the current generators who have projects in process or uh, are being pursued by the EPA because they have outdated plants that need to be uh, re- rebuilt. Uh, it gave an, it, it tilted the playing field towards uh, the Buffett interests. Uh, the final bill that passed kind of was it was a, a traditional compromise. It uh, raised the interest, it created an interest rate and reduced the the term of the lo- uh, the term of the loan from thirty years to twenty years. So that is enough, we think, or they think anyway. Uh, to keep uh, our incumbent generators uh, uh, still engaged um, and reasonably profitable. But at the end of the day, what we ended up passing, we're going to still call this a deregulated electric market, but piece by piece, we're eliminating the pieces of deregulation and going back to a regulated market. Yeah. 
I'm Harvey Kronberg, owner, uh, publisher, and chief bottle washer of The Quorum Report, Texas' oldest political publication for insiders and political professionals. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We were the first ones online delivering uh, news to political professionals in real time. The Quorum Report includes a news clipping service, which if you're politically engaged are the 36 stories you need to see every day, plus original content, sometimes posted as frequently as 10 or 12 times a day, and also occasional editorial analysis. You can find us at quorumreport.com. Everything, although the, although the, the discussions are happening all throughout the session, it, it seems like every, every session we get to May, and nothing happens in January or part of February, and then we get to, again, back to the 140 days, and everything happens in May, and of course... You know, when you've got a truncated legislative session uh, where you're trying to do everything for a state this big, uh, it, you know, it's almost an impossibility to to pass more than a couple of really large items that you're trying to get done. Plus all the small stuff that just, just doesn't pass. I mean, thousands of bills just right by. <laughs> well, and the, starting uh, around April. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the legislative council who drafts the bills could never catch up because they're understaffed and... Uh, uh, the cost of living in Austin is so high that it's hard to keep a professional staff on hand. The House was very slow kicking bill, uh, forming committees and kicking bills out. Yep. Uh, I joked one time that the lieutenant governor is fond of taking legislative hostages and actually enjoys shooting them. Uh, so give him fewer hostages. Um, and uh, apparently the uh, that was the model for the House because this seemed to be historically low output, which most folks would not object to, but... Uh, uh, the fewer laws, the better, or fewer new laws, the better. Yeah. Uh, but it was, um, it's like the, the last week and a half is uh, the last two minutes of a basketball game. Exactly right. And yeah. um, every moment it's years. counts. Yeah. And, and that's actually, um, this is where you end up trusting your leadership on big bills, that they're not going to mess with you or misrepresent what's going on. Because the final conference committee report, nobody has opportunities to read the thousands of pages coming across that are conference committee reports. They can either vote thumbs up or thumbs down. And uh, if they trust their chairman, they'll stick with them. If they trust the speaker, they'll stick with them. If they trust – well, in this case, the, the the Senate is pretty much dominated by the lieutenant governor and nobody – there's no upside to defying him unless it's really consequential to you. Yeah, I think the uh, – what's, what's good to remind our uh, – our viewers and our listeners about is, you know, when you get to the last couple of weeks of session, just like you said, and there are thousands of pages of changes and you really, it's very difficult, even for those of us who work on the inside, to really figure out, you know, where things are, what's moved, what's changed. Um, you do have to almost just trust that the people that you've been working with are going to work together and compromise because it's real easy if if you if you want to throw a monkey wrench into the process it's it's very easy it's the whole the whole session the whole legislative session is set up to kill bills uh it it's been that way it's unusual we're very unusual in the US in the way that we're set up and um in the in, in for for a state this size is what i mean to say and so if you don't have that trust with your, you know, your, the big three, if they don't, if they're not working together, and you don't, you're not trusting your chairman, then it, it's a very likely nothing's going to happen, or it'll just fall apart. Because then it's all about um, what I've always found is 
you know, someone did something to somebody sometime during the session. And so now it's my chance to, you know, to torpedo their stuff. And or, it three matter. <laughs> or three sessions ago. three sessions <laughs> ago. You remember when, you know. One of my, my favorite sayings is forgive and remember. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They never forget. And the other one is for my friends, I do favors. Everybody else gets good government. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot. There's there. Uh, yeah, there's some of that, too. And and I and I, it's a very it's a difficult process. It is a process. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't argue that uh, and people may not like it, but it is the process. And it, it, you know, that's what was set up. And it, it it tends to work sometimes and it tends to not work a lot of times. And then we end up with special sessions. It's been a while since we've had a, you know, kind of a litany of special sessions, I think back in Governor Perry's day. Um, oh, no, actually, um, with the exception of the COVID period post in the 2019 yeah. cycle, uh, Abbott has been uh, doing multiple special sessions um, and um, uh, leads us to the, the the conclusion that we're for all practical purposes in in permanent session, uh, with yeah. just with long interims in between. Well, you know, even even when there aren't specials, it essentially they're working throughout the year anyway because you're developing all your you know all your language, you're developing your champions, you're developing all those things that happen after you kind of get past that election cycle piece, um, and then. People start going to work, mm-hmm. and so it's not really a, 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 at least not of late in the last twenty plus years have there has there been a downtime, a true downtime, correct uh, for the legislature. Maybe in the earlier days, back in the early nineties, um, there was there was some downtime when I was staff uh, back back eons ago. I remember that during the interim, the only thing I had to do was read the newspaper. And figure out what I'm going to have for lunch that day, and who I'm going to, who we're going, to, who's going to go to lunch that day. I, I'm not even kidding. I mean, there was other than that, and some constituent letters that we had to do. There wasn't anything to do. No, no meetings, no nothing. And those days are so far gone. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you amortize the hours you put in during a session yeah. uh, over the course of the year, you were pretty much working a forty-hour work, yeah, work week true. over the course of the I'm entire year, about a dollar fifty an hour. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, back then, I think I was uh, topping out at about uh, since I was in a, an, a, an AA, which is on the house side, like a chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I was making uh, thirty. I think thirty. Three or thirty-four, and I was, you know, at the top, and um, uh, and I, I don't even, I don't even know what what the salaries are today. I'm sure it's not well. Much. It's actually uh, put us into crisis. The last session, in a, in a fit of adolescent rage, apparently the governor decided to veto the legislative budget to teach us a lesson. I'm not sure what lesson he was trying to teach, but all he did was to raise the jeopardy of being a, a an employee of the Texas legislature. The members all have independent incomes. None of them live on the $600 a month they receive. Uh, the one I worked for did. Ah, <laughs> okay. A rare well, exception. A rare exception, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lived on receptions and $600 uh, a month. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, at the beginning of the session, um, because of the skyrocketing cost of uh, uh, rentals or homes in Austin, just the cost of living in Austin, uh, we had a nearly catastrophic shortage of staff. And uh, one of the reasons we had, uh, I would bet it was a record number of points of order in the Texas House this session, was because uh, we had untrained committee clerks and we had untrained chiefs of staff, and they were writing incorrect bill analyses, which is a cause for a basis for a point of order. It wasn't malicious. It was just lack of experience. 
And so what the governor did was... It's uh, also a cottage industry. Yes. Points of order. Yes. I, I mean, there's there people that make their... Stuff. Yes, they make their living on a point right. of order. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, but there was a target-rich environment this time because yeah. there was such a mismatch between uh, the final bill and the bill analysis. That was the most common basis for a point of order this time. Uh, so um, in, in his peak, what he did was he... Um, uh, degraded the in, the legislative infrastructure. Um, uh, we can we'll, we'll evaluate the outcomes, uh, you know, down the road. But the the lack of experience and the fact that we were going into session with multiple offices hadn't even hired a chief of staff yet um, because they didn't. One of the first things they that didn't have funding. Yeah, for it. Yeah, uh, one of the things the first things the legislature did was to uh, or the house did was to raise its. Uh, uh, budget so that it could uh, attract and maintain folks. And um, uh, it really wasn't, people don't work in the capital for salaries. They work for benefits. They mm-hmm. work for insurance. If you've got a family, that insurance can be critical. To have that gratuitously cut off by the governor uh, just uh, said, why do I put up with this if I can't even count on a paycheck or continued uh, insurance? Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people say that there had definitely been uh, has been a, have been a change in uh, the type of staff that you see at the Capitol. Um, and, you know, good or bad, uh, I think it's probably, you know, related to some of that that's been going on with, with, with budgets and, uh, you know, who can be, who, who's going to come in and, and work for that many hours. And, but I also think there's also a change in, in expectations of, of people that come to the Capitol of what they're, they're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, there's, there was a, you know, a whole slew of people that came in and the first thing that they want to do is they want to work for one session and then they want to go out and become a lobbyist, you know? And, um, so there's not, there wasn't, um, at least, at least it doesn't seem to me that there was as much of a commitment to, uh, trying to understand the process, trying to be part of, you know, government, trying to, you know, learn about your relationships and how all that works, you know, learn about compromise and, and compromise. how policy, yeah, <laughs> compromise, compromise is good. But, yeah. Rare, but good. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's inside that little, you know, uh, group of folks, you know, there, there was, there was a, uh, for lack of a better term, a brotherhood, uh, amongst all of them. And you did learn a lot and then you could go on to do other things. Cause I think you do get incredible experience. I don't, oh, absolutely. But one of the remarkable things is that uh, um, uh, people don't really have a vision of the Texas legislature. They think the national conversation is representative of all conversation. And that conversation is so poisonous that I think the folks that are interested in getting in politics, um, besides the fact there's no financial or security incentive once once you veto the legislative budget with no explanation. Well, let's just put it this way. Typically, in a typical uh, pre-session moment, uh, a committee chair or a senior member would post a, a, a job op- opening uh, in his uh, office, and they presume they're going to get 20 or 30 pretty interesting resumes. Uh, the more typical response this time was zero to five. Um, and so that's not just financial. I think uh, there's fewer people that, frankly, want to immerse themselves in what they perceive to be a poisonous, venomous uh, atmosphere. Yeah, it can be. It can be pretty awful, and this session has proved that it was. It could be pretty awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the only session that's been that way, but this is definitely. Uh, this is one for the books. Um, so, uh, before uh, just just before we 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 end uh, this this uh, this podcast, I wanted to get your your thoughts on uh, uh, whether or not you think we're going to be back here for uh, another. One, two special sessions, or you think that that this is just going to be one long special? Well, I'm sure we'll have another conversation about this, but the Senate will be back on June 19th or June 20th. I forget which. 
uh, in order to pass rules for having the impeachment trial of uh, now suspended Attorney General uh, Ken Paxton. Right. And then presumptively, I would think that they're probably going to have the trial in August or maybe early September. Yeah. So we're going to be back here anyway for that, or at least one body will be back here for that. Yeah. Um, I don't think you want to mix a, <laughs> a special session with... Uh, um, unless you're the governor and think you can get some kind of leverage out of it. But there's two set different sets of legislative rules and judicial rules are entirely different. And to try and cross-pollinate that while you're having uh, a once-in-a-lifetime, a once uh, actually a once-in-a-century yeah. project going on, uh, the, the trial of uh, an elected attorney general of the state of Texas uh, is going to be counterproductive. So that's got to be entering everybody's calculations right now. Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, I think I think uh, vacations, many vacations have been canceled because <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to know when you're you can be away and when you need to be here. And thank God for streaming video, streaming video. Well, for us, yes, <laughs> we don't have a vote. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Harvey, great. This has been great, and and uh, let's pick up on the on what we were talking about with um, with regard to uh, Ken Paxton and staff and some other things. Uh, sessions that are are, are, uh, full-time legislators and legislatures um, uh, on our next podcast. I uh, always enjoy having you here. It's my pleasure. I'm always entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, the legislature's entertaining. We're just spectators. That's right. That's right. It's more fun to do this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.